What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to another edition of Top Rank Unboxed. It's your boy, Ricky. I'm here with my co-host, Jalen, and we are here at the Top Rank HQ. We have a very special guest joining us from overseas right now. We're so excited and pleased to have the former undisputed world champ, Josh Taylor, and he will be defending his current WBO title against Teofimo Lopez on June 10th. Josh, how you been? What's new? I'm great, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fantastic. I'm, uh, obviously, I'm down here in the thick of it, in the thick of training camp. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm training hard, training well, preparing well for this fight. And, yeah, can't wait to come over to New York and um, do the business. Can't wait. Yeah. How's camp been for you? Yeah, it's great. I mean, we're, we're flying in well. We obviously had a bit of a slow start with the injury beforehand with the foot injury. So we had to do a lot of adjusting to the training in terms of, you know, doing our conditioning work and stuff. We had to make a lot of adjustments and change our training sort of methods a little bit. But we got around that, no problem. And uh, yeah, we're flying and we're, we're way ahead of the schedule now. Sparring's going well, training's going well, weight's good. Everything's good. So yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing with the, the way everything's going and just got the real bit between my teeth again and can't wait to to get over there and get get stuck in amongst it and uh, do the business. Can't wait. No, we're excited, man. Um, I heard you and uh, Tio had shot the, the trash talk yesterday. How did that go? I was okay, yeah. I mean, this, the guy the guy is mentally all over the place. I think, I think he's a car crash mentally. Um, I think he's just completely gone, completely lost the plot. Um, yeah, he just comes away with some stupid stuff and says some just stuff that are just uncalled for and just terrible. He's just, he's just a, he's kind of, you know, he's a, a real piece of work, you know, um, trash, a real piece of trash. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting over there and uh, shutting his mouth up, him and his dad, and giving them a good beating. Can't wait. Were you uh, kind of disappointed that he didn't show up to Newark? At the face-off? No. Or when I you mean, came I, to York? I, no, I, I don't care. Um, I don't care whether I see him right up until before the fight. We are going to fight on June the 10th, and that's all that matters. I don't care if I see him. Um, you know, if he starts face-to-face, -face, then it goes wrong for him, you know, face-to-face, -face because I'm not the kind of guy to be messing around. So, uh, and take and just talk nonsense. I'm a more kind of action kind of guy rather than talking. So, um I'm not bothered. I'm really not bothered whether I see him or not. You know, he's. I'm not wasting my energy on the guy. I don't. I don't care for him. I don't think about him otherwise, other than how I'm going to beat him in the fight and the ways I'm going to implement my game plan and beating him. That's the only way I think of him, and I think of him nothing more and nothing less. So I don't waste any energy on him. Do you ever feel like pressure to? engage in heinous trash talk like to sell a fight or anything because i can definitely tell that you're more of an action type of dude but do you ever feel like you need to engage in that no not really i mean um obviously this fight isn't pay-per-view so um i don't feel the need to sell it or oversell it but i think it's going to sell itself anyway because the fight is a big fight anyway you know i'm, I'm a big name here and i'm starting to get a following over in the the u.s as well um reaching into that audience as well so yeah i think i'm a big i'm a big name this side and he's a big name over there and internationally it's a, it's a big event so i don't really feel the need that we, we have to sell it or anything you know it'd be different if it was a pay-per-view fight and stuff then but 
But, but this fight is, is not, so it's, it's cool. I mean, I don't feel the pressure to do it anyway. I think my personality and style sells fights anyway. Yeah, and you're right. It is kind of a fight that sells itself because, I mean, Ricky and I can definitely agree, like, as boxing fans, yeah. this is such a huge fight, and it's such a huge test for both of you. And this these are the fights that boxing fans want to see and that they deserve and that you guys deserve to have too. So, yeah, it kind of just sells Yeah, absolutely. Itself. Absolutely. This is the kind of... For me, this is the kind of the fights that keep the motivation, the hunger and the fire in the belly. You know, so these big fights give you that sort of the butterflies in your stomach and the, oh, the fire in your belly. You just want to get in amongst it. And so these are the kind of fights that get you up for it. And um, this is the kind of fights that I want to be involved in. So I'm at that stage in my career now where I want to be involved in big fights. And I have to be involved in big fights to keep that motivation and, and hunger there. So this definitely is that kind of fight. Um, he's a kind of character and kind of person that I want to punch genuinely in the face anyway. So um, at least this time I'll, I'll, I'll be getting paid for it. So that's that's good. Yeah. I'll be paid to punch this guy in the face. So yeah, it's good. Um, I got to say though, man, it's crazy because you're coming off of uh, the Jack Catterall fight, which was over a year ago now. And yeah. most guys wouldn't uh, jump into a fight with a guy like Tiafimo right off the bat, like after being out that long. Like, I got to give you a lot of credit for that. Most guys wouldn't do that. Uh, where does that motivation come from? I'm just in this game to fight the big fights, big big names, big fights. Be Put my name as one of the greats in the sport. You know, I think I've already done that anyway in terms of achievement-wise, becoming an undisputed champion um, and only 18 fights. You know, and under 20 fights, I've become undisputed world champion. There's only me and uh, Usyk that have ever done that in the, in the whole of the sport. So I've already cemented my, my name in the history books as a, as, a, as a great fighter. So this, for me, is all about, it's another big fight. It's another big showcase fight and puts my name out there and puts my name in the history books as, as a real top talent. And after this fight, I'll be looking to be other another big fights, you know. So for for here on in now, it's just big fights and fighting the best. So yeah, I'm I'm dead excited for this next phase in my career. Uh, speaking of undisputed, you know, again, you're one of only nine men to ever go undisputed in the four belt era, right? Yeah. Uh, what would you say was the best thing that came out of going undisputed, and if at all, the worst thing that came out of it? Uh, well, the best thing, obviously, was. Um, Becoming undisputed champion, the first one in the UK, first undisputed champion in the UK in the four belt era. So that's a huge uh, piece of history made for me. Um, and the first undisputed world champion from boxing in Scotland since uh, my fellow countryman Ken Buchanan way back in the 70s. So um, for me, that's a huge accolade and a huge achievement um, for myself um, historically, you know. So for me, that was, that was the best thing. Um, I wouldn't say anything sort of come bad from it. Um, I think maybe the one thing, one mistake that I did make was got a little bit complacent leading into my last fight and that showed in my performance. I didn't prepare to to the best of my abilities, you know, so, and I almost paid the price for it. So I'll not be, but on the silver lining of that, I've learned a valuable lesson, you know, but I learned a valuable lesson. I still came away with the right result and, you know, I've still got my on my belt. Well, got my belt because uh, I've re, re um, vacated the other ones, but I still got my titles, and I'm still the champion. So I've I've learned from that mis uh, mistake that I made not to make that one again. You know. 
Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with Ken Buchanan? I know you guys were like so close. Yeah, I was um, I was sorry about 17, 18 when I, when I first actually met Ken Buchanan. Um, but beforehand, one of my very first coaches was um, one of his sons, Raymond, Raymond Fraser Buchanan. And um, he started telling me all about his dad and who his dad was and gave me all these old VHS video clips of him fighting over in uh, Puerto Rico and all that and uh, the Madison Square Gardens fights. And he gave me all these videotapes of Ken Buchanan boxing and told me it was all about that was his dad and stuff. So from then on, I had a sort of uh, respect for Ken Buchanan. And he obviously told me that he was the Scotland's only undisputed world champion and stuff. And he had all his fights away abroad. He only, he had like... 70 or 64 fights and he only had four in the UK so he was a proper road warrior and uh, I just had a, a whole lot of respect for him um, and a few years later I joined a different I joined a different boxing club um, the boxing club I'm still with now my, with my amateur coach Terry McCormack and um, at Lock End Boxing Club and we went down there and I started training down there and um, this older figure come in and uh, was watching me sparring and training and started giving me all these bits of advice and do this, that, you can become world champion and all this kind of stuff. And he went away. And then I was like, to my coach Terry, I was like, I know, I know that guy's face. Like, I'm kind of recognisable, but he was a bit older. He had the grey hair. He was still nice and slim and stuff, but he had the grey hair and a little bit older. And I thought, I recognise him. I wonder who, who is that? Who was that, Terry? And he, he was like, that was Ken Buchanan. I was like, oh, no way, I've just been talking to Ken Buchanan, I didn't know. Um, so that was the first sort of encounter I had with him. And then since then, he started coming into the gym quite often and yeah, talking to me. And he started doing a little bit of training himself and hitting the bags and doing the pads and stuff like that. And I got to know him quite well and got to talk to him quite a lot over the years. And we went over to, um, as the, for the club, we went over to LA to the wildcard gym in 2009. And um, Ken, Ken come over with us. And when we went over there, it was like, he was like a god, like in the boxing world. He was like so well respected and so well known and so loved in, in the USA. Um, it was just like, wow, he was just so well thought of and highly thought of. Um, and I was just like, I found out an even bigger appreciation for him. Because back home, he never had that. He never had that recognition in Scotland or the UK. He never got that recognition, which I think is, is terrible. You know, um, for me, one of the greatest UK boxers ever to do it. And he never got any recognition over this side of the pond until he passed away, which is very uh, frustrating for myself, you know, because I, I got to know him very well. And he's a really nice guy, very genuine, funny, kind and fast-witted. Uh, and you had to keep your guard up with him in the gym and outside the gym as well, you know, because he was very fast-witted and could play good pranks on you and stuff. So, um, yeah, he was very good. He was, a, he was a very, very genuine, nice person and a great fighter. Oh, that's, awesome. that's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, how cool is it knowing, like, you can kind of relate to, like, one of your, hero one of your heroes? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. We've, we've both got kind of um, similar stories as well. You know, right. um, he, he met a girl and he... I was going around for my girl from my hometown area in Preston Pans. Um, 
you know, the, the, he's fought most of his fights away, had all his big fights away, won the undisputed world title away and come back and never really got the recognition and stuff like that. And then he fought all and just fought the best and the best. And our our stories and because he's from Edinburgh, I'm from Edinburgh, he's sort of re- kind of linked to my hometown as well. And it's just, we're, we're so similar. And it's just like, it's unbelievable that I've sort of half walked in the footsteps of one of my heroes and becoming world uh, undisputed champion as well, you know, and him coming to my house and coming to see me with my belts and having a cup of tea and having a bit to eat and having a laugh with each other and me telling him that I'd done it just like him and he'd give me a handshake and a cuddle and all that kind of stuff. So these are stories and experiences and memories that I'll go to the grave with and um, tell the grandkids, you know, stories for the grandkids and stuff as well. What is Scotland like? Scotland's great, you know. Um, you don't get the weather though. <laughs> the weather. It's the best little country in the world, but uh, one of the crappiest weather places as well. You know, say uh, we get one of these. It's one of these countries where we get the four seasons in one day, and a couple of hours will be sun, rain, oh. snow, sleet, and then back to sunshine. And yeah, it's uh, the weather's not great, but um, it is a very beautiful country, and the people are beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. We uh we were supposed Jalen and I were supposed to go when uh you were supposed to have the rematch with Catterall, so we were kind of bummed out we didn't get a chance to go. Yeah, I was so excited. Yeah, I was like, we yeah, I'm gonna go to Scotland. Like, I'm gonna uh, see yeah, all the greenery and the rolling come. hills. Um, I was obviously I plan on um, demolishing uh, Teofimo Lopez here in this fight on the 10th of June. So uh, next one we'll hopefully plan on getting a stadium fight in Edinburgh, Edinburgh Castle, mm. or at my. Uh, the football team that support Edinburgh Hibs at Easter Road. So I'll hopefully be headlining there and you guys can come come over. There'll be plenty of opportunities to come over, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. We'll be there. We will be there. That's a huge uh, deal. That's awesome. That would be so cool to do it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the right result this fight and perform well. And, yeah, get you guys over for the next one and I'll show you around and show you the cool spots where I'm from. Oh, for sure. Uh, Speaking of, you know, I don't, we don't want to look too far ahead uh, after Tio, but do you got uh, plans on moving up at all? I know you kind of flirted with it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, um, in terms of achievement-wise, for me, there's there's nothing left for me to do at 140. You know, um, what the, the only other belt I can win at 140 that I haven't won yet is a, is a British Championship belt. Um, but for me, that's going five steps backwards. You know, maybe, maybe at the end of my career, when I'm on the way back down, I'll, Try and win a British or whatever, fight for a British, and then I can say I've won them all. But um, in terms of achievement-wise, I've I've got nothing left to do at 140. You know, there's still one big, there's still big fights there. You know, you've got fights with uh, Progre, Ramirez. Um, you've got loads of guys there. The the, the the Devin Haney and stuff and all that are coming up as well. Ryan Garcia maybe possibly coming up. Tank possibly coming up. So there's big fights there. Um, but in terms of motivation and Achievement-wise, for me, it's become to become a two-weight world champion and become a two-weight, a welterweight champion as well of the, of the world. So you you wanted to be a super bike racer, a champion. <laughs> yeah. What what is first of all? What is that? I am unfamiliar <laughs> with said thing. Well, it's a, and uh, it's a, it's <laughs> let's talk about it. Motorbikes, okay. Oh, really. motorbikes. Oh, motorbikes. Okay, okay. Yeah, my uh, my first love, my first passion in my life is uh, motorbikes, motorbike racing. So, yeah, so it'd be like your superbikes, your MotoGP sort of 
uh, kind of thing, you know. So yeah, I would, I would, that would be like my dream job if I wasn't a boxer. I would be be a professional motorbike racer and something like that it would be amazing. Why, why didn't you uh, keep going with this, with that dream, man? <laughs> that is a, that's that's a, that is a, a game that you need plenty of money of for it to, to be doing and sponsorships and unfortunately I am I come from a, a working class background so yeah no uh, no dreams of getting getting that far in that kind of sport. Yeah. Do you still do it in your off time though? Yeah do you yeah, have I still have more bikes, yeah I still have more bikes and I go out with them and when I'm uh, not got fights coming up I like to go out and still have a play on my motorbikes and stuff. So yeah absolutely. I'll never Shit, I'll never be without a motorbike. <sighs> Does your wife do it with you too? Sometimes I take her on the back, yeah. Take her Aww. on the back and go along the roads and <laughs> scare the hell out of her. <laughs> Speaking of your wife, uh, Danielle, we, uh, we met her in Newark. Uh, she's wonderful. Um, last summer, you guys uh, officially got married, right? We saw the photos. It looked it looked amazing. Um, yeah. What was that day like for you, man? Yeah, it was it was good. You know, um, I, I've been I've been with Danielle for thirteen years, um, so. It was good to finally make an honest woman over. Um, I didn't want to keep her waiting too long. She had some, she had some tests <laughs> to pass, you know. So it took thirteen years for her to pass all them tests. <laughs> uh, no, it was just uh, it was good. Um, we 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 get along really well. We're like best of friends as well. So um, yeah, we we plan and we're having a, going to be having a family and stuff soon and stuff. So yeah, I wanted to make an honest woman over. And th- that full weekend was. One of the best weekends of my life, you know, just to to see my friends, my family, and my beautiful wife coming down the aisle with a huge smile on her face and making her happy, and um, the rest of her life going to be half, hopefully happy, and uh, have a nice family and a nice life together. How'd you guys meet? We actually met through one of my friends, um, through one of my friends, Darren. Um, we were going to like a a music night from in my home area, and. Uh, my friend was like, oh, my cousin's coming up um, from down in England. She stayed, because she stayed in England before. Um, and she was like, she's coming up for the weekend. We'll wait on her and we'll go along. We'll meet her there. And, and uh, I met her there. And um, sorry, that's that's how things happened. You know, um, I got in a bit of a fight that night. I ended up fighting with a guy and whatever. And, uh, but that was the, I kind of scared her off for a couple of for a couple of months. So I had to pursue her and... Um, yeah, that's who we that's who we uh, we met. We met through one of my friends, and sort of the rest is history. Oh, it's you know it's <laughs> it's clear though that Danielle has supported you through thick and thin, right? Uh, yeah. How important is that, and what does that mean to you, Josh? Yeah, she's um she's been a rock for me to be honest. Um, because um, quite quite easily a few times through my career I could have went off the wrong road, um went off the wrong road, went down the wrong paths and stuff. But a few people that I was going around with and not that I was going about with bad people, but, you know, just people that, you know, could get any boisterous, boisterous on the weekends and stuff and get into trouble and fighting and, you know, and could end up in a, a fair bit of trouble if I hadn't kept focused and been a couple of times when boxing wasn't going well for me and sort of had no money and stuff and sort of on my own quite often because I was boxing and stuff like that and, you know, I, I could have easily went away a different way and different route and done something else with my life. And but she, uh, she kept at the back of me and kept saying, "Stick with it, and um, you're going to do well." And she, she believed in me. She believed in me just as much as I believed in myself. So, yeah, she's been, she's been amazing for me. 
So at the times when you maybe didn't have a, a whole lot of money, how did you how did you go about staying motivated and continuing to train and, and work hard and knowing that that part of your life is scarce? Yeah, it was it was tough, but I just I had a dream that I wanted what I wanted to do. I wanted to become world champion. I knew what I wanted, and I knew I was going to do it. Um, but when when the things were tough, you know, I was luckily and lucky and fortunate enough to have supporting parents as well. You know, my mum, my dad worked all the hours under the sun to to provide me the what I needed, you know, obviously we had little money, but what they did have, they gave to me and my little sister and that helped a long tight, a long way as well, you know. Um, so I had, I had a good support on, on the way there as well, but um, I just, I could easily just say, oh, I've had enough of this. I'm doing this for nothing. I've got no money. I'm doing this. And all my friends would go away on holiday, buying cars, buying houses. And I never had, two bob to rub together you know and i could have just went ah i'm going away and going to get a job or went to college and done something and, and gave up but uh, i was so determined in what i wanted to do and become world champion that i knew that's what i wanted to do and i knew it would come good in the end and it, it finally has yeah no i mean like I'm, I'm not gonna lie josh i'm a huge fan of your resume uh i personally like when i read comments i read a lot of the comments right yeah. you don't get the, you're just due. You don't get your flowers enough, in my opinion, right? Yeah. You yeah. went through, let's talk about your 140 run. You beat Postal, and then you went yeah. to the Super 6 tournament. You beat Martin, Baranchik, and then Prograce. And then you capped it off going undisputed by beating Jose Ramirez, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you feel in that run, right, in those span of those couple years, how untouchable did you feel, bro? I was the, I'm, I'm the dog. I'm the main man. I'm, I'm the bee's knees. <laughs> was, um, I, I think the way I the way I did the fight, and I, I don't like going on trumpet. It's not my style. But the way I become undisputed in the road to become undisputed, um, even before the postal fight, you know, I'm fighting ex world champions and stuff, you know, and um, only on on like ten fights on my tenth fight fighting ex world champions and. And then fighting Postal, and then going to the WS, uh, WBSS. And the, the road to becoming undisputed, I beat champion after champion after champion. Um, and no one's done it like me. No one, no, one, no one has achieved and become undisputed world champion the way I've done it. And, and in as much and as much time as what I've done it. And in 18, 16 fights becoming a unified world champion, 18 fights becoming undisputed world champion and beating seven undefeated fighters in a row um, and four of them being world champions. And it's just, you know, it's just, it's unheard of. No one's ever done it the way I've done it. I just think it's kind of fucked up because like, uh, you know, obviously you had the performance against Catterall. It may not have been your best, but I feel like the general public, like when they were criticizing you after it, it was like, they just suddenly forgot like, oh, Josh is this, he's that. And just talking mad shit. And I'm like, yo, yeah, it's, he might yeah. have one off night, whatever, but we're just going to forget yeah. We're going to forget yeah, exactly. what you did at 140? Yeah, exactly. You know, but it's like um, there was a, I, I go back to the old, uh, people focus on the bad, people focus on the negative things rather than the good things, you know, because a lot of people, I don't know, they just focus on the negative rather than the positive. Um, I saw a thing that Albert Einstein put up, you know, he put up in the front of a classroom, the nine times table, and he got to nine times nine, he put 83. And the class were laughing because he got one wrong 
but he got all the refs right. And it's like, well, I've got all the refs right, I've got, but I've got one wrong, and you're slagging me this because of one thing. You know, so they focus on the one bad thing rather than all the good things you've done as well. You know, so yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating, you know, but um, I don't let it bother me. I don't lose any. I don't lose any sleep at night over it. That's for sure. So um, it's quite funny. The the UK media are quite biased. Um, they're quite sorry. They, they don't give they don't give uh, credit where credit is due to people um, that aren't really from England. They're, they're very biased towards people from England rather than people from Northern Ireland, Wales, and Scotland. They're, they're not as they're not as favourable favourable to to them for some reason. I find that quite often, and it's not you'll not be. I'm not the person that will say this. Most people will say this. Speaking of, of doubters and naysayers, uh, how big of a statement will a win over Teal be for you? This will be a this will be a big fight as well. But a hundred percent, it will be when I win this fight and knock him out, or if I knock him out, it will be ah, okay, Teal was Teal lost against Cambosis. Teal this, Teal that. So it's kind of I'll, I'll get that anyway. I'll get that Teal wasn't any good anyway. I'll still not get the respect that I deserve. So I don't know what it is that I need to do to get the reserve, the the respect and recognition that and get my props. I don't know what else that is I need to achieve to get it. No one's done what I've done in the sport. No one's did it the way I've did it in the sport. Um, but it's just the way it is, unfortunately. But after this fight, people will say, oh, Josh Taylor's a hell of a fighter. And then we're going to be taking more of the big dogs afterwards as well. I feel like you can't win with the public, you know? No, like no. as as long as you have the okay and the check mark from your peers and the people around you, like that should be enough, you know, because exactly, you can never yeah. win. With you can't the, win with boxing you, you fans, can't. Man. And just anyone no, that bo- is not involved. Boxing fans, are, uh, boxing fans are very fickle. Like they change like the wind and the weather. They change yeah. their minds mm-hmm. every two minutes. You know, you're only as good as your last fight and this and that. And then yep. when I put in a big performance, a lot of people will be like, oh, Josh, that's the Josh Taylor we all know. But there'll still be that same percentage go, ah, your last fight and this yeah. and that. And heels trap and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so you still always get that. You can never please anyone in, in life. You can't, you can never, and it doesn't matter where you are, you can never please everyone. So I don't even try. I don't care. So as long as my people around me, my friends, my family, and people that are close to me, they support me and love me, that's all that matters. All right. Uh, we know we're kind of running short on time, but we want to ask you just a couple final questions out of ring stuff. I got to ask, Josh, what is your cheat meal after a fight? What is what is the one thing you got to have after a fight? Oh, I like a, I like a nice cold pint, a nice, a nice, a nice cold pint, <laughs> freezing cold pint, and uh, maybe a pizza or a Chinese. Pizza or Chinese? Ooh, Ooh man. Yeah. <laughs> You're a pepperoni guy? I like a pepperoni, I, but it's definitely, I don't like them Hawaiian pizzas. Like, no, people no have, pineapple. Then people that have pineapple on pizzas are a bit crazy, I think. <laughs> oh, I take offense to that, Josh, because I love pineapple on pizza. Oh, so so rude, oh, rude. No, okay. No, no. No. Wow. It's it's like the perfect no. flavor because it's like sweet and then savory no, at the no. same time. Pineapple yes. Pineapple yes. is a fresh fruit. Pizza's you just need, you need to try it again. I'm hearing food. that you need to give it another go. That's what I'm getting. Ah, uh, no, pizza pizza's comfort food. That's for a meat feast on the top of it and just loads of junk on a pizza. <laughs> Whatever. Agree to disagree. <laughs> uh, um, what else do you do on your downtime, man, when you're not training or you're not in camp? Not much really. I mean, I kind of don't have a, I don't have like a, a massive sorry, going out and doing things. I, I keep myself to myself. I, I hang out with my friends, my family. 
go to the motorbike racing with my friends, go out on my, my bike and things like that, spend time with my wife that I don't get to see very often. So I spend some time with my wife and my family and, and chill out, chill out for a few weeks. You know, life is very high paced for me. So um, when I get the chance, I like to just chill out, go on holiday, chill out, spend some time with my wife, my family, go and play with my motorbikes, go and watch some bike racing. And yeah, and have a bit of a laugh, just chill out. So every, I'm just your everyday kind of guy. Um, I'm not anything. Uh, I'm not anything the ordinary in terms of when I'm outside the ring. I'm just your everyday kind of guy, down here sort of guy that likes a fight. That's all. Okay, last question. What were some of your first impressions when you came to the United States for the first time? The first time I came to the US. Question. Yeah. Oh, when when was the first time I came to the US? Uh, I believe. Um, I believe it was 2009. Um, I come over with my boxing club, Lock End, to train at the Wildcard Gym in, in uh, LA. And that was the first time that I'd ever saw like a big double-decker plane. Uh, <laughs> wow. How the hell is this thing going to take off? Like, it's huge, humongous. I thought, oh, how, how, how are we going to get off the ground on this thing? Um, so yeah, that the whole experience of just traveling over on the flight, the flight was long, long, like 10 hours, you know, sitting all squashed up and like with sore neck. And I was like, oh, this is a long flight. Um, the, the jet lag was well, the jet lag wasn't too bad on the way there. It was going to come back, it was bad. Um, but no, the American was it was the first thing I noticed was the roads were huge, the roads were just so wide and so long. and the house numbers was like 2,034 <laughs> on, the, on a street. You were like, you know, what is going on? So long and wide and um, all the cars were, were big, massive cars, big V8s and uh, V10 engines and big roaring engines and that all the time. So that was like my first experience. I thought, oh, this is, this is brilliant. And then obviously we went down to Muscle Beach down in LA and we went up to Hollywood to the studios and, walked along the Hollywood Boulevard and all that kind of stuff, did all the touristy stuff. And yeah, I just, I just loved it. You know, it was just amazing. I loved the American people as well. Very accommodating and friendly and funny. And um, they loved the Scottish accent as well. So I got a lot of yeah. over there. So yeah, it was, it was good. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. You know, um, I've actually, you know, with the message, we've actually contemplated getting a house over in the, the US and moving over there to, to train and do my boxing career and stuff and, mm -hmm. and base myself over there. A number of times I did say that after uh, we come back. Um, obviously, it hasn't it hasn't planned out that way. But um, yeah, the US the USA was brilliant. The food, and the portion sizes are portion huge, sizes are right? Different, different they're levels. like different oh, they're, over here, man. it's it. That's why. Okay, we'll probably cut this out. But that's why America has an obesity problem because the portions <laughs> are huge, like unnecessarily. Yeah, different level, but it tastes good. But I can eat, so I finished the <laughs> problem. So, uh, I it was good. It was good. I really enjoyed it. I, I do enjoy America. I enjoy the. I just enjoy the the, the vibe and the atmosphere of the big cities and and uh, seeing all the different music and culture and everything. I just uh, enjoy it. It's really good. I really think America's a cool place. Well, we're excited, man. Uh, you know, we'll see you in New York, and you know, you take over another big city. Uh, before we let you go, any final message to your fans? No, just thank you for the continued support, obviously, up to this point. And uh, it wouldn't mean as much without you guys supporting me and 
uh, just uh, just thank you, thank you for keeping the keeping the faith and long may this uh, road continue and I can I can keep providing you with entertaining and and big fights and and good nights to for you know for your last few memories, great memories and I just appreciate every single one of you. So I just want to say thank you and see you soon. See you again soon.